I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. You can follow us at Open Mind TV and support our series on Patreon at patreon.com slash The Open Mind. I'm delighted to welcome our guest today, Leon Krauss. He is anchor, correspondent for Univision, and columnist for The Washington Post. Read his opinions there for insightful commentary. What is your sense of the pandemic in Mexico right now? Um, relative to um, some of the other hotbeds in the United States and Brazil. Uh, how would you contextualize the situation? It has been severely mismanaged. I think that uh, the Mexican government uh, made the same mistakes that the Trump administration made. It failed in the uh, detection of the, of the disease, uh, it didn't test properly, uh, if at all. Uh, there was also a very clear lack of, uh, of leadership. The president of Mexico has been one of those leaders, sadly, that has stubbornly refused to be a good example for the country he governs. He has refused to wear a, a mask. Um, even after he himself got sick, even after uh, he himself got apparently severely sick, he still uh, refused to wear uh, a mask in public. He still doesn't. The man he put in charge of the pandemic, um, Hugo lopez Gatel, has also been uh, quite catastrophic. He uh, got sick himself and uh, just uh, uh, went out and about in Mexico City with his girlfriend walking around while he's still contagious without a mask. Um, so uh, the, 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 the pandemic has been mismanaged. Mexico City, the, the country's largest, uh, largest urban center and one of the largest in the world, uh, is governed by a, by a woman, uh, Claudia Sheinbaum, who dreams of becoming the next president of Mexico, and whose political future depends on Andres Manuel López Obrador, the Mexican president. And so she has been very careful not to antagonize him. And her decisions have been also uh, uh, wrong for the, for the city. Uh, you can also add that the Mexican government has, incredibly, in my opinion, because it has sold itself as a progressive government for a long time, um, it has refused to uh, offer any sort of uh, real uh, financial support to the millions of people who are suffering in, in Mexico, hence uh, forcing millions to keep working throughout the, throughout the pandemic. The number of death, uh, deaths have been uh, undercounted. This has been widely reported, and I think it's a fact. Uh, so uh, Mexico is one of, of those a worst case scenarios when it comes to the pandemic. It is the president's, the former president of the United States and the current president of Brazil and current president of Mexico, who all themselves became infected and demonstrated an ineptitude and lack of, as you say, modeling mask wearing and public health standards. It's no accident that these three men were infected themselves after going about policy quite unseriously. 
how much of it is a, a, an appeal like Bolsonaro uh, and the former president of this country and an appeal to a kind of machismo and a kind of populist um, uh, character, um, not necessarily a scientific ignorance, but rather a certain persona that they want to project? That is a fascinating question. I see, uh, I see all of these men uh, as sharing uh, one, one uh, very clear common trait. They, they all believe they are the embodiment of the country they, they govern. And uh, they, they believe that they have to present a, stor- a strong face. Uh, they, they have to show their, their strength their superhuman strength. I, I, I've, I've always thought it, it's, it's fascinating that, uh, that that rumor that went around that Trump might even consider presenting himself quite literally as Superman after he emerged from the hospital after having survived uh, COVID-19 uh, because, because it's, uh, it's very fitting. Um, but there is, there is truly an abyss uh, between, for example, a figure like López Obrador, uh, Bolsonaro, Trump, and someone like Churchill. Uh, the, the, this idea that they have of themselves as a, as a sort of messianic is completely misguided. Uh, in, in a crisis like this one, what we needed was a steady hand and, uh, and something very simple, actually. Just uh, people who believe in science and act accordingly, and respect the very basic rules that science uh, has put forth, has put on the table. Use a mask, uh, be a good example when it comes to basic social distancing and, 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 and these, these norms of uh, uh, basic decency. And uh, López Obrador in, in Mexico simply has not been uh, this sort of leader. Uh, in, in the days prior to him falling ill, uh, it's, it's really a catalog of, uh, a, of stupidity. Uh, I think that is the correct word. He, 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 he was uh, on tour in northern Mexico. The day that he uh, began showing sint- symptoms, he still showed up to an event with the Mexican military uh, without a mask. Uh, fist bumped someone after after he finished his speech, uh, cut a ribbon, uh, handed the scissors back to this to this to this woman who was there, uh, touched touched his face, then flew back on a commercial airplane. I mean, you just can't make this up. Um, and uh, this this has been the story in in Mexico as in <clears throat> some other places with with these messianic leaders. Even prior to the pandemic, Leon, there was a question as to whether López Obrador was truly a humane president and interested in a socialistic agenda or a progressive agenda that was going to have discernible, humane outcomes. You know, that it was he was viewed at a moment in the, at least from the American political landscape, and perhaps this was a, a faulty view, as Mexico's Bernie Sanders. And, mm-hmm. and, and so I want to ask you if, first, that was an inaccurate representation when it, was, when it was framed that way in the American media. And if not, 
if he did have these aspirations for tangibly better, humane outcomes in Mexico, what has gone wrong with his administration, separate from the pandemic? I, uh, I have interviewed him a couple of times, very long interviews. Uh, and uh, the, first, the first time, uh, he, he has, he has a, a son that's the uh, same age as mine. Um, he, he, they, they both were four years old at the time. And I, and I, and I reached out at uh, the, the end of the interview and I, and I asked him, um, how should I explain to my, to my four-year-old son when he, when he grew up who Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador has been uh, in, 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 in you know, Mexican political history? And uh, Lopez Obrador is unflappable emotionally, very difficult to touch his heart, uh, at least in, in this kind of, kind of exchange between a, a journalist and, and a politician. But he, he seemed touched um, by my question and he told me, just just tell him that I have fought for social justice. And I believe that to be um, an, an honest uh, mission, an honest undertaking on, on his part. I think that he uh, has good intentions, but the way he has executed those policies uh, is, is, is just um, impossible to understand. Uh, and the perfect example of that is how he has reacted to the to the pandemic. His um, austerity measures puts him to the right of the Republican Party in the United States. He wouldn't be considered conservative. He would be considered a libertarian and a severe one at that. He has simply refused to help uh, um, to help people financially during the pandemic because he believes that austerity is the way to go. Did he campaign on austerity? Well, he, he campaigned on austerity because he campaigned on, uh, on one main theme, the fight against corruption. And it was actually uh, quite, quite, quite an interesting thing because his, his, his uh, message discipline was, again, uh, absolute. Uh, I, I moderated a presidential debate in, in Mexico during the 2018 um, election. And I asked him, for example, how he would uh, try to fight uh, fentanyl, fentanyl production and distribution, which is, as we know, an immense problem. And his answer was, we have to uh, end corruption. Uh, and, and by ending corruption, that will eventually lead to the end of the fentanyl trade. And, you know, it's, 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 it's just, uh, it, it doesn't make sense. But that was his go-to line for everything. I think that if anyone asked him, how are we going to make the Mexican national soccer team get to the quarterfinals, which we haven't done in forever, since 1986, I think his answer would have been, first, we have to end corruption. You know, he, he was, it was his go-to line for everything. And uh, it made sense because after the Peña Nieto administration that was very corrupt, Lopez Obrador believed, rightly, that the message uh, of uh, anti-corruption would carry him to the presidency as it has. And he has stuck uh, to that message. Why is the fight against corruption singularly about austerity or, or preserving a commitment to austerity? 
Well, the, the first of all, he's fighting. He's fighting against graft. He has always said that the 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 uh, the, the people's money should be spent wisely uh, and and not wasted. Um, but of course, that also brings into question what he has done with the people's money. And the answer to that during his presidency is twofold. First, he has built a political clientele by uh, building a system very similar to what the PRI, Mexico's ruling party, had during the 20th century of direct money to people uh, in need, uh, which, again, on paper sounds uh, admirable, and it truly is, unless you take into account the strategy behind it. And the strategy behind it is uh, building a political clientele, which isn't the same as uh, providing a stronger and larger safety net for people. And then the other thing he has done uh, with uh, with uh, the people's money is invest obsessively in Pemex, Mexico's debt-ridden uh, energy behemoth which is basically a failed company. And he has thrown billions upon billions into Pemex uh, to no avail because the, the, the company is in profound debt. And uh, it is, it is uh, I think, a failed, a failed company, it is fair to say. Um, and, uh, and that's how he has managed the, the uh, public finances. Uh, and it's been controversial. You say at the same time he's, refuse to enact bold legislation like a Mexican equivalent of the American Rescue Package uh, and that his support for uh, the lower class or those financially burdened or challenged um, has been rooted through a spoil system, a, a kind of political machination. Um, rather than a systemic overhaul, when the next legislative procedure goes through, um, is Lopez Abrador contemplating um, any more comprehensive economic measures mm -hmm. uh, to satisfy what what you're describing as the, the very much needed um, relief for the public and not just relief, but systemic change uh, to improve people's lives in a sustainable fashion. You know, uh, I, I think the answer to that question um, has to do with the role these, these political leaders uh, have fashioned for themselves throughout uh, the crisis. Uh, I don't think anyone, I don't think the, 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 the mayor of Los Angeles, the city where I live, uh, Donald Trump, um, uh, or Lopez Obrador, or the governor of New York, or whomever you choose, any, any political leader who was in office during the pandemic thought that they would face this crisis uh, or have it be the, def the definitive issue of their uh, administrations. Uh, but when, when you face a crisis and crises uh, arrive unexpectedly, you either adapt your uh, ideas, your mission, your uh, program, your agenda to that crisis, or you stubbornly 
blow through. And I think that uh, um, the best leaders are the ones who are able to adapt and accept uh, history and accept the circumstances that history has put in front of them. Lopez Obrador has done the opposite. Even though he has faced the pandemic, he has stubbornly remained um, stuck to his to his uh, to his program, to his agenda, to, to this idea he calls the fourth transformation. And uh, he, in, instead of adapting to what the pandemic demanded of him, including uh, changing his his way of thinking when it comes to austerity and uh, uh, and public finances, he has remained uh, very very um, how should I put this? <clears throat> he has declined to uh, to change um, directions in in any way. Um, and I think that if, uh, this, this summer when he, when, when, when the country, uh, has legislative elections, if his uh, party wins, as I, as I expect it to do, um, we, we will see more of the same, more of the same. The problem is, uh, history doesn't understand of stubbornness, especially when a crisis this large is uh, um, a crisis is large appears. And you can see this in the United States. I mean, uh, the, the Biden administration knows that it will be defined by the way it has re respond, uh, responded to the pandemic. The Trump administration didn't understand it uh, in time. Uh, Donald Trump tried for, for months to uh, find a way around the crisis, not only not, not only the public health crisis, but the economic crisis that the pandemic meant, and he paid the consequences. I don't know if Lopez Obrador will, will pay the consequences for doing mostly the same thing. Uh, we will see in in uh, these years these years elections, uh, and and that question remains remains open. But the fact is that he has um, been incredibly, sadly. Stubborn, and we are seeing the, the 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 consequences of that in in Mexico. You know, were he to do something, I, I imagine more radical, even consistent with his vision of social justice, which you said in answer to you know, your interview question was his you know tombstone. Why then was the perception of him? I go back to that question: the perception of him as an agent of change. Yes. Um, so wildly askew in um, the the reality of his formulated policy, mm -hmm. uh, there there is an inconsistency from the meet the pre presidency portrait of him and what has occurred, or perhaps was that only an error in the international press, the American media, were the Mexican media more practically speaking. Uh, cognizant of what the realities of an uh well he, he he wants to tinker with the status quo on his terms not not from what the country really needs especially uh during and after a brutal pandemic but uh from his interpretation of what the country needs and that means going back to a version of the country uh before structure before structural reforms uh, dependent on oil, uh, self-sufficient, inward-looking, he, he, he has a sort of nostalgia for a statist 
past um, the Mexico of the 1970s. Uh, he, for example, is set against renewable energies. Um, he, he, his administration has just passed a very controversial, very controversial uh, a reform of the uh, electricity sector in Mexico that will be challenged and is already being challenged in the judicial system um, that basically puts power again in, uh, in the state's, uh, in the state's quasi monopoly of, uh, of, uh, you know, electricity supply. Uh, and that just goes against everything that has been happening in Mexico over the last 20 years that led, uh, yes, to, to a country that's, that suffers from corruption, yes, that has not grown to its full potential, yes, but that was growing. And now the, the, um, the, the Mexican economy has, uh, has come to a halt. Even before the pandemic, it was, it, it was paralyzed. And now it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, the, the numbers are just are just brutal. I think the best example of this, of, of what Lopez Obrador came to be after he came to the presidency, is what he decided to do with the uh, the, the magnificent project that was Mexico City ultra modern uh, international airport that was being built, that had been completed, thirty percent completed, and that was going to uh, be. A true a tourism hub, not only for Mexico but, but for but for the Americas. There there was there was this suspicion that uh, this this enormous work of infrastructure had also produced corruption. Uh, and instead of dealing with the corruption, investigating it and dealing with it, but keeping the the airport going, Lopez Obrador decided to cancel it. Period. And uh, th this is the perfect example. For Lopez Obrador, nothing that comes from the past is worthy of, of, uh, of respect. He wants to transform Mexico in his, uh, in his own terms. Um, and, and if a crisis gets in the way, he truly does not care. Uh, he is incredibly stubborn in a time in which the opposite is needed. You need real uh, flexibility and uh, and imagination, not this autocratic bent. In terms of improving the economic lives of, of Mexicans, I mean that that was the parallel with Sanders, the right, the idea of rejuvenating the Mexican economy, looking inward at the condition of of the Mexican people. So, when you describe the necessary flexibility. How much has changed when it comes to the economic security or prosperity of the average Mexican since he took office? The opposite has happened, sadly. Uh, he, he, he might blame the pandemic, but the fact is that, by the way, uh, uh, opposite to what, happened, what was happening with Donald Trump, one has to admit because uh, the country's economy, America's economy, was actually doing quite well before the pandemic. Uh, Mexico's economy wasn't. Uh, uh, th there are now more than 10 more... Uh, 10, there are now 10 million more poor people in Mexico than the 
than there were when Lopez Obrador took office. Um, the number of jobs lost is just astounding. The number of businesses that have closed is just astounding. So uh, even though his intentions are admirable, and I do believe they are admirable, I do believe he, he has been searching for a way to find social justice in Mexico for a long time, decades actually. His policies are just not well suited for the moment. And numbers don't lie, even though he always insists that he has other facts and, uh, and other numbers. Numbers don't lie, sadly. And the lives of Mexicans are, are just not, not, not better today than they were when he, when he came to office. His slogan, his campaign slogan, had always been, estaremos mejor o estaríamos mejor, let me say that again, estaríamos mejor con López Obrador. We would be better off with López Obrador. Tragically, that has not been the case. Mexico is not better off with López Obrador. He still has four years to go. And I, my, my most sincere hope is that by the end of his term, Mexico is better off with him. Um, but right now, things don't look... There, but right now, there's not. There's, there's. But right now, there are just not many reasons to be optimistic. Leon, in actuality, what has changed at the border since President Biden took office? Well, I I think that many things have changed. Uh, the previous administration dismantled the country's asylum system and set up a series of punitive measures that forced thousands of people to wait in squalor in Mexico for their asylum requests to be processed. Uh, the, the, this lack of proper infrastructure to deal with this kind of situation uh, that, we, that we're seeing now is not a coincidence. It, I see it as a sort of planned obsolescence of the immigration system done to discourage immigration. Uh, and you, you saw Trump also persecute immigrants in such a way that, for example, parents and potential caretakers were afraid to come forward to claim their kids because they were afraid of being deported themselves. So, I mean, there, there, is, there is a real change uh, at the border. Uh, there is real change uh, when it comes to immigration policy. There is a real push for immigration reform in, uh, in Congress. So uh, many things have changed in, in, just, in just a couple of months. And, and of course, then we, we have seen this, this, this surge that did not begin uh, with the Biden administration should not be explained through the Biden administration, but I mean, it certainly is a crisis. So how should it be explained? Because of course, politicians want to exploit this for the nativist rhetoric and Trumpist movement. But what what is going on at the border right now and what explains it? I mean, the first thing we should we should probably say is that I do I do believe this is a crisis, and there's really no point in denying it. It is a crisis, but the label the label should not matter. What what should matter is understanding what's happening and how to fix it. Um, in in order to to explain it, uh, you, you have to take a look at what the Trump administration uh, did, uh, we, um, uh, which which was uh, heinous. 
Um, Biden used to say during the campaign, you, you probably remember this, that uh, the pandemic wasn't Trump's fault, but the response to the pandemic was. And I think that the same could be said of this crisis. Uh, the, this is not necessarily the Biden administration's fault, but the Biden administration needs to fix this. How to do it? Well, I think that the country needs better infrastructure to deal with a surge that, that won't stop anytime soon. There is no reason why the United States cannot have proper facilities for something like this. It also needs to invest in the root causes of immigration in Central America and, and help Mexico build a better network of shelters and processing centers. And uh, Alexander, this will take real financial support, a real financial effort, uh, like the one that the EU provided Turkey to deal with the Syrian refugee crisis, for example. And uh, also, listen, the Biden administration needs to find a way to expedite the process to deliver these kids to their to their caretakers. I mean, the, and that is not going to be a simple task. It needs to find a way to convey that those coming forward to formally claim these children will not be detained themselves. They, they, they need to eradicate the fear that the Trump administration, four years of these punitive measures, these punitive policies of the Trump administration have, have left behind in the Hispanic community. It's not going to be an easy task, but they, they need to find a way to do it. When you do discuss the root problem, it has to do with infrastructure, both the United States and Mexico's infrastructure. Ultimately, though, the root of the problem is neither Mexico nor the United States in the sense that the majority, if not nearly all of those seeking asylum are not Mexican. Is that correct? It is correct. I mean, this, this is, uh, this, this recent version of the problem uh, originates in the Northern Triangle of Central America, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. But I mean, recently, the recent numbers, most recent numbers, indicate that uh, young, uh, single Mexican males have been crossing the border again. Mexicans are emigrating again, which is something that had uh, not, uh, not happened in a, in a while. But yes, I mean, the majority of the challenge lies in Central America, and that's where you, you also have to, to, to address those root causes, and you can only do it through investment. Uh, the Biden administration has has pledged and Biden himself pledged during the campaign $4 billion in aid to Central America, to these this three Central American countries. And listen, $1 billion a year is an enormous sum for, for these nations. Uh, maybe not in the United States, but for, I, I think, for example, of the farmers in the, the Guatemalan highlands that have suffered immensely uh, due to uh, climate change. Uh, the difference that not, I mean, let alone a billion dollars or even a million dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars of well-invested, well-targeted money could, um, could do uh, for, for these people, for, the, for those communities. I mean, you really can't even, it, it's unfathomable. It's, it's, it's uh, radical change. And I think that if the Biden administration takes that seriously, things could really change. The, the Trump administration did the complete opposite. Not only did it not invest uh, in, in Central America, it completely canceled aid to Central America as a way of punishing 
these countries. It was absolutely absurd, ridiculous, and counterproductive measure. Compassionate conservatism is largely dead. It is compassionate liberalism that would support foreign aid and monetary intervention. I feel as though the entire public sentiment around investment outside of the U.S. is uh, has changed as a result of, of Trump in some ways. Yes. That it is viewed as a divestment from America rather than an investment in both America and in Central or South America. Um, what is your sense of that mindset and and whether it has permanently changed to the point that any kind of investment in you know towards the root of the problem rather than a border solution is going to be not politically viable in the United States for Joe Biden it's a fascinating conundrum fascinating uh, and in, in politics, nothing is automatic, not even the most obvious measures um, and policies. Well, of course, uh, the, the administration will have to explain it. There are, of course, uh, there's, a, there's, of course, a, 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 a good amount of people that will never understand it. Um, but I, I do think that uh, the majority of Americans are persuadable on this point. And if you explain it correctly, and if you uh, routinely look at what happens south of the border, and when I say you, I mean all of us, including the media, and maybe beginning with the media, um, I, I think people would understand. I mean, I always come back to the example, Alexander, of uh, the travel ban. How, did, how was you know, the, the tide of public opinion, how did it change when it comes to the travel ban? Because the media started covering the stories, the actual stories of the people affected by the travel ban. And that's when public opinion began saying, hey, I mean, maybe this travel ban situation is really a bad idea morally. Um, American media, mainstream media in America, simply does not care about what happens in Mexico or what happens in Guatemala or Honduras or El Salvador. They just don't. Uh, and if they understood what's really happening, if we saw more colleagues, more reporters like uh, Jacob Soborov, like Jonathan Blitzer in the, in the New Yorker, like my colleagues who work from Mexico and Central America, covering those stories routinely, if you, if you saw that popping up in the evening news, uh, maybe people would understand what needs to be done in those countries for change to happen. And what needs to be done is there needs to be nation building. Uh, no, I mean, there's no question. Um, so you have you have to work. You, there's 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 certainly work to be done uh, to um, modify the perception of public opinion of of Central America and and the benefits that this could have for those countries, but also for America herself. Um, it's it's not going to be easy, but it's it's a cru it's crucial uh, for 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 uh, for that to happen. 